Everybody, it's the weekly Coffee Time Conversations podcast from Gentle Parents Unite, Becoming Gentle, with Sujai Johnston, Vivek Patel, and me, Margie Zintz. So get yourself a cup of coffee or a cup of tea or hot cocoa or whatever you love. Grab yourself a notebook and a pen so you can jot down your thoughts and questions. Sit back and enjoy. Episode 2, Coffee Time Conversations Podcast with Sujai, Vivek, and Margie. Hi, guys. Hi, Sujai. Hi, Margie. Hi, Vivek. And hi, Vivek. Hi, friends. Glad to be here. Excited about this episode. Yeah, this is going to be a great episode. Uh, this, is a, um, this is the first in our series of guest episodes where we have um, somebody brilliant in our parenting field who's going to come and talk with us. And today's guest is going to be Eric D. Green of One Awesome Dad. But before we get to that, we would like to, uh, you know, catch up with you guys. So Vivek, you've been up to something pretty cool, haven't you? Yeah, you know, I had a really wonderful day yesterday. I uh, was invited to Burlington, Ontario, which is a town a little bit outside of Toronto, to do a parenting workshop. And I gave a parenting workshop yesterday called Creating Collaborative Relationships with Your Children. Mm. Nice. And uh, yeah, it was really wonderful. We did two hours of theory in the morning, and then we did two hours of practice in the afternoon, which I haven't quite done that structure before, and it was really lovely. Mm-hmm. And I shared these beautiful practices that I myself have been doing for a while, but uh, I haven't really formalized and shared before. And I did yesterday, and it was so impactful. I just wanted to briefly kind of go over it. I think I'll do a whole, uh, whole we'll do a whole podcast on it uh, coming up soon. But I wanted to mention it because I think it could be really helpful. Nice. Um, one of them I mentioned before is the micro meditations. Mm-hmm. And uh, micro meditation is where you do a one breath, a one conscious breath meditation and uh, it's beautiful because you can do it anywhere you are anytime if you're just picking up a toy off the ground or if you're washing your hands you can just take one breath and tune everything out and just be with yourself for that one breath um, but then thinking about the micro meditations I, I was thinking about a couple of other micros that I actually do and didn't quite realize uh, until I started kind of formal teaching it and one of them is a micro self-observation and I really love it. Yeah, I really love it because it's this way of uh, it's this way of kind of like taking the observer position, watching the scene that's happening. Uh-huh. 
And by practicing that, what happens is I can take in more information. I can see myself from a different perspective. It's like, uh, it's like um, I'm holding my phone right now as I'm, as I'm talking to you all. Um, and I'm talking, so that's what I'm doing. But I can actually be doing that, and then from like a different position, I can watch myself doing it. I can observe myself doing it. So I can actually see myself doing the thing. So I'm a mm -hmm. bee holding a phone. And then I can actually watch myself watching myself doing it. <laughs> and, and then it gets a little bit trippy. Um, yeah. <laughs> kind of like a, like, kind of like a, like that mirror feedback, you know, when yeah. you're in a, yeah, yeah, when you're in a yeah. hall of mirrors. Yeah. And I, and what I do, I do this, I, I do this, uh, I do this like on, on a regular basis with small things. Like if I'm opening a door, I won't just open the door, but I'll watch myself open the door. And uh, if I'm taking a drink, I won't just take a drink, but I'll really tune into the fact that I'm taking a drink. And I really, this is really a smabble thing, a smabble thing, right? The small moments yeah. affect big ones. Yeah. Because I, I get used to being able to see myself and see the whole kind of situation, the circumstances that I'm in and the system that I'm operating with. And what happens is I end up when, when big moments do come, when I do get upset or I do lose my balance, I have a bit of a practice already of tuning into the thinker behind the thoughts and the feeler behind the feelings, my awareness, my consciousness. Yeah. And I'm able, and I'm able to see myself more clearly. And it takes time, of course, to, to put that into practice. But that's why the micro is so useful, because it's, we're not waiting for big moments to have, or, or a half hour to practice these things. It just happens in everyday life. Right, right. Huh. that's that's pretty pretty cool yeah actually. i really love it yeah and the, and the second micro that i taught was micro self-compassion and uh and we talk a lot about how important self-compassion is yeah um but practicing it is hard I, I hear from so many people how it's like this foreign entity even to think about it i had a parent recently tell me that when I suggested to it, they said, okay, Vivek, I agree to think about thinking about whether it's worth thinking about self-compassion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just love that phrase because it's so distant for so many of us. So what we did in the workshop was we, we, we imagined, uh, we, we did a guided visualization and I had everyone close their eyes. And we imagined that uh, our child was coming up to us, or a child we really care about is coming up to us really sad or really upset, and, we, and they, won't, they melt themselves into us and they're holding us for comfort, and we embrace them, and how do we feel and what might we say? And then just before we say the words, we, and we're really feeling that compassion, that love for this child, we make ourselves the child in our own arms, and we, mm. really, feel, we really feel ourselves in them. And then we think of a simple sentence. For me, I, uh, a simple sentence we would say to comfort this child. For me, I might say, you know, you're, I, I love you and you're trying your best and it's really hard and I can see that you're hurting and, and you're a good guy, Vivek. And I, ha and I always say you're a good guy, Vivek, because I was given the opposite message a lot when I was young. Yeah. And, and, so, uh, and so everybody wrote down their own phrase and we all shared it and we all practiced saying it. It was so lovely. And again, the micro self-compassion is like one or two sentences. It's not like you have to go through a long, drawn-out thing. And if you have it kind of written down and you know what you're going to say, and it, you can update it, of course. But if you have that as a tool for yourself, then anytime you think badly of yourself, anytime you get upset with yourself, anytime you lose your cool or make a mistake or act out of alignment with your values, 
you can throw yourself a little bit of uh, a micro self-compassion and it helps you, uh, it helps your mind and it helps your co consciousness realize that you're really, you're on your side. Mm -hmm. We talk about being on our kid's side. It's good for us to know we're on our own side too. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's true. It's, it's funny I, that that is, co that's a little bit of foreshadowing because we talk a little bit about that in the interview with, with uh, Eric. So, you know, being mm -hmm. on this, on the team, the same team. Yeah. With, our, with our wonderful children and it's great to be on the same team as ourselves for sure yeah yeah beautiful Absolutely. and we did record the whole workshop it's four hours long i think the finished video will be about three and uh -huh. i am going to sit on my social media uh, uh and so um Tell uh, us about the social uh, media. Thank Vizier. you. Thank you. So I'd love you all to like check out Meaningful Ideas on Facebook on Meaningful Ideas and Instagram and YouTube where I have almost 50 videos now. Um, wow. Meaningful Ideas is really, is really great. I, I love it. I love sharing my stuff there and I'd love for people to, to check me out there. Wonderful. So that's yeah. Meaningful Ideas on Instagram and YouTube and Facebook. Right. And MeaningfulIdeas.com, although my website is woefully out of date. Okay. Whose isn't? <laughs> <laughs> Margie, you also have your own uh, social media outside of Gentle Parents Unite. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Oh, I do. I do. Thank you for asking. Yeah, so I have a uh, website. It's called uh, PeacefulParentWhisperer.com. All one word. All spelled like the way they're spelled, peaceful parent whisperer. And there's uh, uh, there are uh, there's a blog section, and there's a lot of things that I've written over the over the years. There's some audio on there. I'm um, I'm not the best Instagrammer, I have to confess. Uh, I, I pretty much do all my stuff on Facebook. So uh, I do also have a Facebook page, which is called uh, Peaceful Parenting Whisperer, which was it, the first name, and it's, I shortened it to Peaceful Parent Whisperer. So either one of those, Peaceful Parenting Whisperer or Peaceful Parent Whisperer, and you'll find me and all the things that I've read and all the little memes I've made over mm. the years and... Mm. Uh, and that's how you can find me. Yeah. So, Jai, you have stuff too, don't you? You know, there was a while there that I was also using Gentle Parenting Journey. It was kind of an evolved thing, though. The page, the page started out as Gentle Parents Unite public page. Um, but it was confusing because we didn't have that public page put on there. Right. So it became Gentle Parenting Journey which started to be the brand that I was doing my public marketing under was Gentle Parenting Journey. And actually just this year, I questioned the wisdom of having two different brand names. Um, mm. Gentle Parents Unite is pretty huge and massive. So I changed the name back of the public page from Gentle Parenting Journey, yeah. um, which was also the name of my website, Gentle Parenting Journey. And I changed it back to Gentle Parents Unite. Um, the public page is Gentle Parents Unite public page in parentheses now. Yeah. And um, the website is Gentle Parents Unite. And actually, 
Um, there's links to everybody else's work that's on the admin team that has things that they offer. And so it's not specifically just my page. And obviously, Unite <laughs> really states <laughs> that we're united. And I don't feel like doing separate work outside of that yeah. is truly, it, it's not truly the goal or the heart of my work because my work is about that unity and as much as uniting all gentle parents together I also feel like uniting the thought leaders and the coaches and everybody who's at the forefront of this movement and having us not only on the same page but also reaching out from the same places is kind of really integral to who I am and the work that I do. And so all of my work is currently Gentle Parents Unite, the large group. And then we have Gentle Parents Unite public page, Gentle Parents Unite, www.com. <laughs> <laughs> and associated with Patreon, Patreon is Gentle Parents Unite Becoming Gentle. And uh, the URL for that Patreon group is uh, patreon.com forward slash gentle parents unite healing circle so again it's patreon.com slash gentle parents unite healing circle and we'll have a link for it too other subgroups the inner circle of love is a secret group that anybody who would like to be part of is more than welcome to ask me about it and i'll be happy to add them and um, then we have Diverse Perspectives Unite, which is for talking about social justice type things and equality and how do we integrate that into our parenting, which I find a very important aspect of gentle parenting. Yes. And also we have Gentle Relationships Unite, which is, as it sounds like, for discussing adult relationships, whether that's with our spouses or our co-parents or our siblings or our parents. Um, that's the purpose of that group. So um, that's pretty much all of the work that I have is all, most of it is on Facebook. Oh, we're also on Instagram. It's Gentle Parents Unite. And um, I didn't know you were on Instagram. I will have to be your follower. Mm, thank yeah. you. I don't do much there, but I, I try to yeah. remember it and try to swing over there every once in a while. <laughs> Mostly Instagram is for me um, seeing the things my son is doing because he's really active on it. So I get to see he does music videos and little stories and things. So I was like, yay, there's Liam. <laughs> so that's fun. Lovely. All righty, folks. Well, Without further ado, why don't we get into uh, uh, the interview with Eric? I think you guys are going to love it. Yeah, I'm really excited about talking with Eric. He's such a uh, such a wise uh, parent educator, parent yeah. coach, and speaker. And uh, and I love the stuff he posts on One Awesome Dad, and he's just amazing. So I'm excited for him to be our first guest. Yeah, yeah, and uh, forward to it. Yeah, so without further ado, after the break, we'll come back with Eric.
everybody. Welcome, welcome. Here we have a Coffee Time Conversation podcast. It's a really special one because we have a guest today. This is our first in our season two guest series. And so I just want to introduce everybody. We have, um, we have Sujai Johnston. Howdy, Sujai. Hi, Margie. Yay. So good to hear your beautiful voice. Thank you. And, and we have Vivek Patel. Hello, Margie. Hi, everyone. Hi, Vivek. And our special guest for today is Eric D. Green, a.k.a. One Awesome Dad. Welcome, Eric. Yes. Hi, everyone. It's great to be on with you three. I feel like I've known you for longer than we've known each other, isn't it? <laughs> it's true. You know, it's I true. love that feeling. I think we started getting to know each other in 2015, 16, maybe-ish, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It just came up the other day. I think we've been friends for five years, so. Is it five years? Then that's 2014. Okay. Yeah, and what a, what a bunch of years it's been, huh? I know. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So it's been quite a journey for sure. Yes, a wonderful journey. So thank you so much for um, agreeing to uh, kick us off with this this guest thing that we're doing. We we, you know, the three of us talk as as we were saying before. We talk every week, and we love talking every week. And uh, we were trying to think of ways that we could even improve talking every week. And one way is to talk with somebody else. So you're our first somebody else. Gotcha. Well, I hope I can improve things. <laughs> oh, I don't I... know how much, how much better things could get than, you know, the three of you on talking about parenting. But let's have a go at it. Okay, let's, let's have a go. Let's do that. So, so Eric, you know, I... I love hearing origin stories, and I'd love to know, like, what it was that brought you to, to you know, to want to be an advocate for parents and to, yeah, yeah to, to tell us a little bit about that. Wow. So how much time do we have? <laughs> we have as much time <laughs> as you need. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, this could really go on for a while. Um, I think the short uh, version of it is that I became a dad in 2011 and it just consumed me. I started my page, One Awesome Dad, on Facebook and it became kind of a platform for me to just kind of share my radical opinions, you know, and it started out as kind of every other weekend. Um, I'd make a post um, or I remember one time I made a meme. Uh, you know, I actually took the time to go into Photoshop and I didn't know what I was doing. And, uh, and it got a lot of great reaction and feedback. I said, oh, this is cool, you know. And uh, in time, the page grew and I started a Facebook group and then I started doing podcasts and interviews. And next thing I know, I'm just immersed in this whole world of, you know, peaceful parenting and conscious parenting. And um, it really grew. So much uh, to the point that um, I'm a parent coach now, and um, and it's just been fantastic. And I just spoke at a conference last weekend. Yeah. Um, so it's 
it has, this thing has really grown and it's just been a passion of mine, you know. It's funny, so I, did, I gave this talk last weekend um, at the Diversity in Parenting Conference and then the day after was a Sunday and I was in town and my friend Tina Louise Feldman Belodi of Prana Boost Parenting messaged me and she said, hey, I'm giving a workshop on conscious parenting. Uh, would you like to come visit? And I think maybe for a lot of people, you know, I've just been at a parenting conference. You know, I've just been at a full thing listening to talks. You, you might think maybe I'm burned out on that, right? No, not at all. I said, come on, let's do it. Yeah. You know, let's go. I'm, I'm ready. I'm all ears. Let's do it. That's so it's yeah. really it's really a passion of mine. It's not it doesn't feel like work at all, you know, helping parents and doing the coaching that I do. Um so you asked about the whole origin of it. That's something I've been giving a lot of thought about because I went into that in my talk at this conference and I think it really comes down to me um well, I think the main thing is that, and I don't know if I shared this with you three, but I lost a daughter in 1994. She lived for three weeks. Um, she had a heart defect, and Ooh. it was it was unexpected and undetected. It just suddenly happened. Mm. That was 25 years ago. Wow. Ooh. And that wow. really, you know, I was in my early 20s, and I didn't know how to process what do you do with that? You know, all my other yeah. friends are, are going out and having fun in life. And suddenly I'm hit with this, you know, tragedy and drama. And it really impacted me for a, a number of years. And by the time I had my own son, became a dad again in 2011, I just was felt so much appreciation and um, wow. for the fact that this kid is here alive and he's yeah. making sounds and he's, <laughs> you know, I, and I just never got upset or angry with him at all. You know, the, uh. the crying, he would make noises on, you know, musical instruments and that'd just be the best sound I've ever heard in my life, you know? Oh, mm. yeah. Right. So, so and, um, and so it, like I say, so that really impacted me. I think the other thing is that when I was in school, um, I had a professor who started an organization called In Support of Children. Mm -hmm. uh, her name is Dr. Karen Polanco at Old Dominion University in Norfolk, Virginia. And she died a few years ago. Mm. Um, but so her organization was called In Support of Children, and they had a slogan called it's never okay to hit a child mm. and that Excellent. really that really you know gave me a lot to think about as as a young guy in college and you know because I was spanked and how do I process that is spanking hitting I don't know well hitting is different you know I was spanked but I just it really kind of gave me a lot to kind of process and resonate over the years and by the time again when my son was born it was it was clear to me, you know, spanking is not going to happen. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think really the combination of those things um, really produced my deep passion and interest for, you know, not only not spanking, but all things related to parenting. How can I be the best dad that I can be is what it really comes down to. Yeah. 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 So. So what kinds of things have you discovered 
since you had that epiphany and mm. made that choice that have helped you to to be the best dad you could be right yeah so i think in the beginning a lot of it was about my own techniques mm-hmm. right the techniques of parenting you empathize you appreciate you take a deep breath you give yourself right. a time out instead of your child a time out all those <laughs> kinds of things yeah. it took me a while to really recognize that i had to do my own healing work right right there was about mm. me um and so much i think that has kind of the biggest obstacle for me has just been my own triggers um you know my own stuff yeah uh, right and that's really just in the last couple of years has been uh, where i've been at is kind of processing through that and really taking it seriously i think for a long time i just like a lot of other men i just kind of stuffed stuffed it all away mm. pushed it to the side um mm. you know and it's like i say so it's just recently in the last few years that i've really done more work i've been going to therapy i've done like emdr and i've done yeah. i've been doing some trauma release exercises i'm you know i'm reading about all kinds of stuff emotional neglect and you know childhood trauma and how it gets passed on from generation to the next um again so for me it's really immersing myself in that and doing the best that i can wow yeah that's that's extraordinary you know a, a lot of folks uh have well dare i say i'm going to go out on a limb here and say that we all have baggage that we're carrying around with us, mm-hmm. every single one of us. Right. N- yes, indeed. N- not everybody recognizes how important it is to reckon with that and to and to mm-hmm. do the hard work. And it is hard work. You know, there's it. You have to go really deep, and it's messy, and it's time can. It's painful and right. it's, it can be vulnerable and humiliating. And, and so there's, it, it's mm. kind of hard sometimes to stick with it. So what helps you stick with it? Gosh, that's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I really think it, does, it comes down to my own commitment to being the best dad that I can be. Yeah, yeah. And there was a point, I think, when I really recognized that maybe more so than the techniques of peaceful parenting. Um, it's about me as a person. It's about the energy that I bring to yeah. a situation, right? It's more than mm. the words and more about the actual, you know, authentic empathy that you, that you feel towards your child. It's more than saying the words I hear you, I understand, I see you, those kinds of things, right? Because you can say the words, I understand, or I hear you. You can, the way that you express them can convey two totally different meanings, right? (laughs) And you can kind of of say, I hear you, right? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I understand, right? Or you can have that deep, you know, and I think I realized that I wasn't, you know, although I was saying the words, I really 
maybe wasn't quite communicating the deeper feeling of empathy and seeing it from his perspective, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, I think the more that I felt like I was getting the techniques down and, you know, I was figuring out, figuring out the right words, there was still this obstacle of my, and, and what, well, first of all, what is the obstacle? What is keeping me from feeling that deeper empathy? And the more mm-hmm. I, the more I read, the more I learned about that, the more I realized, oh, that's my own stuff. Coming right up. there. Yeah. I, I need to work on that. And um, I love the word that you use, reckon. Uh-huh. Something to, <laughs> it's something to reckon with, yeah, right? Because yeah. <laughs> um, that's that kind of that's that's what it feels like, isn't it? It 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 certainly does for me. You know, yeah. it, it feels like hello. It's time. It's time I sat down with myself and dug yeah. in on this stuff. It's I'm carrying it around, and uh, I I think it's it's patient enough that it's going to wait for me to be ready to do it. And there's no better time than this second, you know. And ha- and having that great motivation of saying, uh, I want to be the best parent I can be. That's that's so, so powerful. And I really appreciate you saying that. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the, uh, one of the, one of the most painful things that I hear from parents uh, uh, on a regular basis, and we talked about this in a previous episode, was um, feeling like a failure. You know, like parents feel like I'm so terrible, I'm a failure. Uh, and it's almost like uh, the idea of giving self-compassion, um, giving themselves compassion feels uh, like they're not they're worthy of it or not deserving of it. And it feels like the worst, the worst and farthest away thing for them. Uh, especially when we are filled with like self-loathing or so deep self-criticism, lack of worth, and all that. There's a discomfort, isn't there, Vivek? Mm. There's an uncomfortableness with expressing empathy and understanding and love. Yeah, I think for me, anyway, there's kind of, yeah. there's a real discomfort in um, because especially when you weren't parented this way, if you were raised with a lack of empathy and I told you so's shame or whatever it is, um, I think a lot of people perceive this style of parenting as coddling. Mm -hmm. And it can, I think it can feel like coddling, although I question if coddling is such a bad thing now. (laughs) But it can feel like that kind of coddling... Um, and giving in to your child and being soft with them, um, and there's a, I think there's a lot of discomfort that can that parents can feel with that. I felt that anyway. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I've often wondered if that's. Um, I know that it's something that a lot of people struggle with, but I've also often wondered if it's something that particularly society puts on men as far as mm. feeling emotions and that right. softness being a feminine quality so to speak, and it seems like it's an extra layer of healing that men need to do to get through some societal programming mm. that's been put on them about sharing those emotions to begin with. Right. Yeah. That my, so my answer to that, to men or to anyone kind of questioning if this is not such a good thing with treating your child, is that the way that I have come to see it, so people... 
I think tend to say that um, this style of parenting results in kids who are soft, mm-hmm. who are less resilient, right? And for me, what I've become clear on is that it's actually the opposite. Like mm. this way of this way of parenting is making your kids emotionally stronger and actually more resilient. Why do you think that is? Why do you think it creates more resilience and more uh, more inner strength? Right. Well, I think that what it teaches kids is that they make sense, ultimately. And so if you're raised with feeling strong emotions and push it down, stuff it away, that can lead to a lot of confusion. Oh, mm. I have these feelings. What do I do with it? Just stuff it away. I think mm-hmm. that as, if, if you grow up with that as a child, as an adult, it's just kind of an automatic response. Oh, I'm feeling sadness. Stuff it away. I'm feeling anger. Well, maybe, maybe I can express anger at a certain point. Right. Um, but I think I think it comes down to, well, making sense is 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 part of it. I think the mm. other part is that you just learn how to regulate yourself emotionally. Mm-hmm. And I think the way that you get there is with the help of of a of your parent, your parent, mm. your caregiver, some in the presence of some loving, compassionate adult who helps you show that your emotions make sense, right? Mm. Right, right. Uh, I've never heard that phrase before, makes sense. I really like it. Yeah. Yeah. I I think for me, I think, um, I think I have struggled a lot with making sense of myself. (laughs) Right? Yeah. When I feel feel like, you know, when I mentioned about my daughter dying, I felt a lot of shame and guilt. Mm. Why would I feel shame and guilt? And mm. I think I—that's—that's that's kind of another example of not making sense to myself, mm. right? It didn't right. make sense that I—and um, maybe it's, maybe it doesn't have to make sense, but it, at a certain level, I want to feel okay with it. All mm. right. Oh, right? Uh, and and can you say more about that? Okay with what aspect of it? Mm. Right. I think maybe maybe that I don't have to necessarily understand it logically. There you go. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if I can just sort of allow myself to you know, give hold space for myself. Mm. Yeah. Right? And have a sense of self-compassion. Mm-hmm. If I can mm-hmm. kind of, if my internal dialogue can sort of be like, wow, you're, this is really a struggle for you, Eric. You're feeling shame. You're feeling guilt about this. You know, just having that kind of empathetic voice within yeah. can help you move through it. Mm. As opposed mm-hmm. to if I'm telling myself, what's wrong with you, Eric? What are you doing? You, there's mm. no reason to feel shame for this. There's no right. reason to feel guilty. That just adds on to more of the <laughs> yeah, because you're trying to meet your shame. You're trying to meet your feelings with logic. Feelings aren't there logical. I love They're... that. Yeah, you're trying to meet your feelings with logic. Yeah, yeah that doesn't you... always work out. Cannot logic away a feeling. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. And if we can do that for our kids, we can certainly do it for ourselves. Yes. 
if we acknowledge the feeling and recognize it, it really can help us to move through the feeling and either accept it and process it in a healthy way or to find a way to take action around that feeling so that we can heal from it and not continue to feel the feeling and move forward and do what it takes to make what changes so that we're not in the position where we're feeling shame and guilt anymore wow, or just exactly. to sit with it and move through it if that's what we need. So what do you wish you had known when you first started doing your, your parent advocacy? That oh gosh. Yeah. That's a good question. What do I wish I had known? Um, I wish I had known myself. Oh, wow. That's yeah. a good answer. <laughs> How? Yeah. Well, I always remember Dr. Shafali um, answering a similar question when she says that conscious, the best conscious parenting work, I don't know if she said best, but conscious parenting work should start before you become a parent. Mm. Right. Yeah. And and so I think for me, yeah, I, I, I do I wish I had worked through all of my own stuff um prior to um becoming a parent. Uh I think it was, you know, becoming a dad that helped me to or did it it gave the impetus for me to work through my stuff. Because mm -hmm. it was then that I started to realize that I do have a lot to work through and that um, it's no longer going to be feasible for me to stuff it aside and um, keep pushing it off for another day. Um, but that really there was time for me to reckon with it and, um, and do the actual work that I feel like I had been avoiding for many years. Um, I think prior to becoming a dad and then um, for a few years after, I mean, I was working full time as a web programmer mm -hmm. and, you know, in a cubicle, in an office. And um, I think for most of my days, you know, I could just kind of zone in and focus on my work and then get home and, you know, be on the computer or with video games or right. just whatever it is, and I was never taking any time for any kind of healing work, meditation, or um, I think I think maybe I read like a book by Tony Robbins, and that was the most personal development work I, th I think I had done um, prior to becoming a dad, and then becoming a dad, you know, that's when I realized, oh, I need to take this stuff seriously, and I just started to dive into it. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. I, I hear what you're saying. It reminds me that uh, we don't often treat the disease until we get the disease. I mean, there's, and I don't like to liken self-healing to a disease, so maybe that's not such a great analogy. But in order for me to meet the challenges that I have discovered in myself around parenting, I kind of had to become a parent first. Yeah. Right? Uh, it's kind of like walking around in a raincoat all the time. You don't really put the raincoat on until the rain starts falling. And mm. I, I think about my son... 
And I think about all that he inspired in me for me to do. And I'm so grateful to him for that. He didn't yeah. do the work. I did the work. But he inspired the work. Mm, yeah. And he also got to watch his his me and his dad do our work. And in that way, you, could, you know, as much as we want to raise extremely healthy, functional people, they got their own journey, you know. It, they got their own stuff to deal with. And, and it would be, I think, folly to expect that our kids are going to, you know, walk out into adulthood as just totally healthy, functional people. They get to have their own struggles and their own work, and they get to have that process to do. That's why we're here, I think. And that, that's just my, my idea. However, right. I, I like to think that uh, I can remember a time uh, when Liam and I were driving back from um, South Carolina, which is a, like a 400-mile drive. And, and so we're tooling down the road, and uh, we're listening to the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and, mm. and, and uh, we're singing at the top of our lungs. But Liam gets kind of quiet. And I'm still singing because I'm having fun. <laughs> and mm -hmm. toward the end of the drive, uh, music ended, and, and I, I said something to him like, oh, you're, you're kind of quiet. And he said, he said, yeah, I'm uh, questioning my own stories. Mm. It's like, what? <laughs> mm. You're yeah. doing what <laughs> it just it just blew me away that he he would do and i've never said that to him i don't think his dad ever said that to him but i think he kind of got it out of the the water you know in our house you know the the air and that's what we do we question our own stories and there he was doing it and he had a demon and he was reckoning with it and uh mm. And we we spent the rest of the time talking about that. So, so you may have never said those exact words, but that's something that you have modeled. I suppose so. Yeah, yeah. So I, I what I that's my long way of saying. I think that the work that we do in healing our stuff mm -hmm. in front of our children, being transparent with them, gives them those same tools, just like. You know, a guy who's a carpenter who builds houses is going to be able to model. I'm working on a sneeze here. Stop <laughs> it, sneeze. Interrupting me. <laughs> um, we'll, you know, be able to show a kid, yeah, you could do this too. You don't have to do it, but you could do it. And right. the kid gets handy with a hammer because dad does and mom does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. I really like to and enjoy talking with my kids, particularly as they get older. They don't comprehend this or they're not putting together all the dots as much when they're smaller. But as they grow and they're starting to put the dots together and coming up with their 
own ideas and values and everything. It's really amazing to um, have talked about these concepts with them for so long. And so hearing it come out as part of their own thought patterns and the things they're saying and thinking. And it's really great how my kids will ask me, like, oh, you're feeling down. What do you need? Do you, would you like would you like to problem solve or do you just need to sit there? And I'm like, oh, my heart. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of support is so amazing. And yeah, I remember a couple of years ago, my son in the car with me, um, he was he was really upset and he had every reason to. I told him we would have more time in the park than I ended up giving time for. We mm-hmm. had to leave much earlier. Mm-hmm. And it was it was my mistake. I forgot I had to tend to something at home. We rushed. I had to rush him out of the park. He got in the car and he slammed the door. He mm-hmm. said, "I'm so angry with you." Mm-hmm. And there were, I had a mix of emotions. One, I wanted to acknowledge, and I really felt the anger. Yeah. At the same time, I thought, "Man, this is this is great. This is amazing that." I have a son who's able to express the fact that he's angry with me. Yeah. Right? And um, because I think as at his age, I'm not sure I could have got away with saying exactly this. <laughs> yeah. Or even, not even got away with it, but just being yeah. able to say the words, I'm angry with you. Yeah. You know, that phrase alone wasn't really expressed in in that way. Instead, it it was acted out. Uh, yeah. Sure. Right? Sure. So, I, I don't think I've done everything perfectly uh, as a dad, but that was kind of, that felt to me like a, a gentle parenting win, mm. right? Oh, because that's, that's what we that's what we want ultimately. You know, whatever it is, anger. I'm sad. I'm upset. I'm frustrated. Disappointed. You know. If you can, if at least for me growing up, if I feel like if I could have been able to have said those words, mm. I'm I'm so frustrated, I'm so disappointed, whatever it is, mm. instead of mm. acting it out. Mm. <laughs> and and right. you know, part of a child being able to say that is trusting that it will be received. That they feel safe. Yes, absolutely. Right. That's the win right there, isn't it? Because if they don't feel safe, then they keep it inside. It boils over. They act it out in different ways. It's going to come out. It's either going to come out in a way that you don't like as a parent, or they're going to keep it inside, which is what I did as a kid. And maybe that's why I felt like it was such a win, because he didn't keep it inside. Mm. You know, I think the other win, because that is definitely a clear win, but I see another clear win here as well. And that's the way that you received it, is that he felt safe saying that he was angry. And indeed, he was safe saying that he felt angry, which is so amazing because the truth is, had we said that as a child, then a whole, like, slew of bad would have ensued. We would have been called ungrateful and, you know... um, suddenly a giant guilt trip and we could have even been spanked or backhanded. Exactly, right. And so for us as adults to be able to get to a place where we can say that or we can hear it from our children and we don't default to 
the same thing that our parents defaulted through to, and that took us a lot of work to get there. Right. It's true. And, and another response, of course, that can sort of fall in, in between radical acceptance and <laughs> also you know, radical rejection is invalidation. Mm. Oh, come oh, on. It's right. not that bad. You don't really feel that way. Come on. It's just the park. The invalidation or the over-explaining. Yeah. Yeah, the well, defensiveness. I well, I told you that we had to leave. Right. Mm -hmm. Or, yeah. um, or we're going to go later, even if, you know, the, right. the explaining it's that you've got to validate and you've got to, um, just acknowledge. Yeah. And you so a lot of parents I, that I work with will ask, you know, okay, what do you do then when your kid expresses that that's one step, right? But what do you do next? Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I think that's when you empathize and you just validate and you acknowledge and, you know, and, and that's, that's what I did was, and I did some explaining, but I think I did it in an empathetic way. I said, you know, I'm so, I'm, gosh, I'm so sorry. I just, I didn't remember that I had to do this thing. And, you know, and I know that I said, you know, you'd have an hour or whatever it was. And you only got 15 minutes, and that must feel super unfair, and I get why you're angry. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we just kind of sat with that for a few more seconds. And what was so amazing was the next part was that, and it really only lasted 30 seconds to a minute before, it just the energy sort of went away. He wow. got out what he needed to get out. I acknowledged and validated and expressed empathy with him. And that was kind of it. Right. The, the air went out and he, you know, and you could just f feel the energy sort of dissipate there. Uh, and then, then we went home and that was kind mm -hmm. of the end of that. Right, right. It yeah. doesn't always happen that smoothly <laughs> and nicely, right? right? It doesn't always work out, but a lot of times it does. Yeah. And so much of of the way you know how long it takes for that that uh gas bubble to dissipate has to do with how much is in that gas bubble from not just the current uh, yeah. event but also things that have been suppressed not because of anything we've done or maybe maybe because of something we've done but it could be things completely unrelated to that event that can also contribute to that gas bubble. And then, you know, it's got to be reckoned with as well. Yes, that's and great. Yeah. yeah. The, I think with this peaceful parenting is kind of the ongoing yeah. empathizing, validating, and just showing that you're, you're on your kid's side. Yeah. Yes, right. we're on the same team. We're on the same team, uh, right? Vivek, you were gonna say something. Yeah, well, it beautifully relates because you know uh, my kid is twenty-two, and uh, still uh, the the three of us are still living together. Yeah. And uh, and um, a couple of days ago, she got really uh, upset at me. <laughs> we were in we were in a store buying some stuff. And something I did, I still don't know what exactly, but something I did really annoyed her. And she was angry for the rest of the day. Whoa. Went into her room and didn't want company and was really upset. And, uh, and didn't, have any, didn't have any problem showing it. 
and uh, it was very uh, it was very clear that she wanted her space. And, you know, for me, when when that happens, one of the things that I have to do really carefully is I have to really trust in the foundation of our relationship. Because mm-hmm. if I get if I get scared that, oh, something's wrong and this is wrong, then I'm going to rush to rest, trying to rescue it or trying to fix it, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I don't because I practiced and I didn't. And I gave her that space and I asked her if she wanted some company at some point, And she said no. And I said, OK, thank you for letting me know. And then the next day when we were, ha- uh, the next day or the day, a- yeah, the, the next day or the day after when we were hanging out together, um, she, uh, she said to me, dad, I want to tell you what happened exactly, but I need a little more time to process on my own. So can you ask me about it in a, in a week or two? And she's really clear about her emotions, about the process she wants to go through. She wants to share with me because she wants to have an open co- conversation about it. And she knows she doesn't have to be afraid to, to share her feelings with me. So that whole process really was really enlightening for me to see how a lifetime of being treated with this kind of empathy and acceptance, how it kind of like creates that kind of condition and relationship. And, uh, and for me wow. to just keep trust, to keep trusting in that, you know, to keep trusting in the resilience and the, sustain, uh, the stableness of our relationship. And I love too, Vivek, that she didn't feel pressure to explain to you. Mm. Right. It mm-hmm. wasn't like you were giving pressure. Come on, come on. Let's let's repair right away. Let's give. You know. <laughs> yeah, we can't let this go. We got to do it right now. She just right. She just sort of said, "Give me, give me another week here." Yeah. Right? And I actually put it in my I actually put it in my calendar, so it'll buzz me in a couple of weeks and it'll say, "Ask." Oh, okay. Good. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. I think yeah. maybe that's where I may. I, I think I might rush in a little bit to quickly maybe to so that's a good teaching lesson for me i think maybe i rush in and try to fix right away right we're disconnected we're disconnected oh my gosh i gotta go in and fix right 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 Uh, on the other hand uh my hunch is that if your child said no i need more time i think you would listen i that's my guess and Vivek, you know, your daughter was just so able to say, I need more time on this. It's hard sometimes when somebody isn't ready to be forthcoming with what they're going through. I experience this a lot with my 14-year-old, and he likes to be very vague. It's kind of his personality type. And sometimes there's things that have a little bit more urgency, and I know there's something going on. And I try so hard, and I'm actually pretty good at it, to not push when it's time to not push. And yet it is one of the hardest things to, like, know there's something going on and know that there's something that needs to be said. And to not push is, like, it takes a lot of willpower. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, oh, don't be so vague. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But it's, you know, it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of like a gift in a way to be able to, to, to work through a process with someone, even though, you know, we're probably conditioned to, as you said before, Eric, to kind of get things done fast, to get that behind me, get that behind me. Um, we, we forget that it's a lifelong process. And I also think of, I also think of it like layers of the onion. You know, we may get to a certain level on something, 
and yet there's still deeper to go. And, you know, right. that, that we get there when we get there and, and not one second beforehand. I think that's where for me that, that that's where the, the conscious parenting work comes in. Because I think for me, like I said, I, I, I like to rush in and fix and repair a disconnect right away. Mm. And so then I ask myself, why do I have that need mm. to rush in and repair? And I think, um, thinking about it now, I think I'm just very conflict avoidant. Is mm. right. Mm. Raise your uh, hand if you're conflict avoidant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're not doing this kind of work, this kind of um, conscious work, um, self inner reflection, um, then I think a lot of times you can run on autopilot and right. Um, right. Sure. And I mm. think. Um, I think the the less on autopilot and the more reflective that you can kind of be sometimes even opens up a sense of curiosity about yourself. Yeah. yeah. And if you can if you can come at stuff with a with a, from a place of curiosity rather than pressure and anxiety and worry and concern then um then I think you're really making progress. I, I think so, too. I, I couldn't agree more. And that uh, is it, easier said than done. Oh, it's way easier said right? than done. I, I wish I, I could just walk around with a sense of curiosity. Oh, I'm mad. Why am I so sad? <laughs> That's I'm, interesting. I'm frustrated. Why am I so frustrated? This is really fun and curious. No. It's, it's, <laughs> well, it's it may not be our our natural first response to that kind of stimuli. However, the more we choose for it, the more it becomes part of our rep- our emotional repertoire. And uh, mm-hmm. I I have noticed that over the course of the decades, I have a lot of them under my belt. <laughs> uh, I, I, that uh, I, I hate to use the word retrain, but in a way, that seems to be the most. Uh, my choices have sort of reprogrammed my responses to things that, oh, here's an example. Not too long ago, I was involved in something. <laughs> Fortunately, I don't remember what it was. Um, <laughs> but it got my heart rate going. Like, I got angry. And uh, that doesn't happen to me very often anymore. But it happened, and I was, I, I, my heart rate was up. I was feeling, you know, all the feelings when you're feeling challenged. And there was a part of me that was noticing, that was like the witness. And there was part of me that was saying, hey, this is cool. I can do this thing that I'm always telling other people to do with this feeling I'm having right now. I can take care of myself. And, and I was actually grateful for the experience because it was giving me the opportunity to breathe through that feeling, to let the adrenaline dissipate. I even did a few jumping jacks. You know, I, it, was, it was so cool. And I was like, thank you. I, it was weird. And then once I felt clearer, I was able to deal with whatever the hell it was that was um, 
that was pricking me, uh, it was great. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that we get the opportunity, the more we get the opportunity to recognize mm-hmm. that we have agency in our choices. There's nobody else who's choosing for us. It's, it's us alone. And then we make those choices. We make them more part of our, of our emotional language or repertoire. You know, we get to choose. I think it's also what has helped me is to recognize that it's actually less painful in the long run to deal with whatever stuff is coming up yeah. as opposed to pushing it away in the moment. That's a beautiful thing to right. recognize. And, and I just want to say before too much time goes forth, for the listeners at home, let the record show that every hand went up <laughs> when I asked, yeah. raise your hand if you're conflict avoidant. <laughs> All the hands went up, and uh, I think it's pretty universal. But, you know, I just want to say one more thing there. I just realized this. I, I never had any idea that I was conflict avoidant until I became a dad and started mm. doing this work. Mm. So give me an idea or give us an idea of how that realization manifested for you. What did you notice that you weren't doing or did, to tell a little more about that? Gosh, I can't, I don't know if there was a specific moment where I, I kind of the light bulb went out. Aha, I'm conflict avoidant. Um, <laughs> I don't remember the exact moment. I, I think I was probably have been reading some books on codependency and okay. emotional neglect. Um, and I think it was more of a slow realization. Oh, I really just um, don't do well when there's conflict. Uh, and starting to recognize, what do I do when there's conflict? Well, I kind of, um, I avoid it. That's <laughs> right. That's um, probably where the avoidant part comes from. Exactly. Um, <laughs> And so that's why I think this, this kind of work is, is important because, like I said, before becoming a dad, I don't think I recognized it at all. Mm. Um, somehow or other, I was able to just kind of get along through life and not deal with any of the underlying stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, Eric, when, when uh, parents come to you when you're doing your parent coaching and they have these same kind of issues and these same kind of obstacles, how do you help them guide them through it? Gosh, that's a great. How much time do we have left here? <laughs> that can go on. I think. I think what I tell parents generally is that it's different for every parent. Mm. I think some parents may benefit from a daily meditation practice. Mm. Other parents may need some deep healing, you know, therapy for years, kind of thing. Right. Right. Other parents may need yoga or. Self-care, exercise, dance, um, somatic experiencing, um, EMDR, you know, or for another parent, it may be um, going through books on personal development. Um, I think everyone is, is different and we've got to be willing to explore different options. That's mm-hmm. a question that comes up a lot, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I recognize my triggers. I recognize that there's some healing that needs to be done. There may be some trauma there. What do I do is the question. Um, I think for me, the general answer there is to be willing to explore 
various options um, because it is different for everyone and the level of severity in your own trauma I think we all have some level of trauma uh, going back to our childhood but the difference is the level of severity right so your your trauma may be way more severe than others and for other people it may just be you know a daily yoga or meditation or journaling um kind of practice this is what helps you get through right there's no one answer that works for everyone is is you know, i wish there was yeah but, uh, i'm glad there isn't <laughs> yeah i'm glad there isn't because um you know, one person, you know, may just really hate doing yoga, let's say, if yoga was the thing. And if they really hated it, and that was the only way, then we might have some people who feel really totally blocked. So I'm glad that there's a, so, such a, a smorgasbord of, of options. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I, think the, I think the first place to start may be with a therapist talk to a therapist mm. and then kind of be willing to explore from there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we, I guess we just have a couple more questions, you know, questions. I, I have a goofy question. Okay. Let's hear a goofy question. Yay. What's your favorite word? Oh boy. My favorite word is, I can't think of anything. Okay, the first, the favorite word that comes to mind is my son's name, Forrest. Oh, oh yeah. that's a good answer. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay, well, what's maybe, your favorite word, Margie? Okay, good question. <laughs> um, I, you know, a lot of times, I'm a musician. And uh, a lot of times people will say to me, what's your favorite song? And I, my answer, which is true, is whatever song I'm playing right now. That's my favorite song. Mm. And I kind of feel that way about, you know, words, too. You know, I, I, I like the idea that, I mean, words represent ideas, obviously. And... Um, ideas are, are, you know, flow like water. And so I guess flow. Flow right now is my favorite word. I like that too. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got two F words. Ooh, the F word. What are your favorite F words, Sujai and Vivek? Can you think of anything? Oh, definitely fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving that in. <laughs> you don't have to edit it. <laughs> Definitely leaving that in. <laughs> uh, well, it's funny because I was going to say my favorite word is pineapple because it's my most common safe word. So that's why I like pineapple. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yum. <laughs> so, Eric, what's next for you? What's on the horizon for you? What's coming up? Well, I think I uh, would like to c carry um, this momentum that I feel at the moment after talking last weekend at the Diversity and Parenting Conference. And that's to keep on talking, I think, is one thing. Um, I think for one thing, I've, I've, got, I've had a book, I've had an e-book um, 
that has been I've been neglecting to get finished. Mm. Um, I, I, I think it's about 80 to 90 percent done. I think I'd like to get that ebook out there. It's called Peaceful Parenting Essentials. Ah, yes. I just cover the basic. It's got like five chapters what peaceful parenting is, what peaceful parenting isn't, mm-hmm. principles of peaceful parenting, peaceful parenting in day to day practice, and then mm. an FAQ. Just like Beautiful. to get the basics out there, right? Yeah. Because there isn't anything like that. Mm. You're that so I'm, right. That I'm aware of, you know, at, yeah. at least in the form of just a short, condensed ebook, right? Yeah. Uh, so I think that I would like to get that out there, and um, I want to get on more podcasts and interviews. Good. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. And keep on coaching as well. So, yay, because here you are in the world doing all this stuff. I'm really excited about your your uh, forthcoming ebook. Yes. And uh, I I think folks. Will uh, if you follow one awesome dad, then you'll be uh, prized when uh, when that book is available. Yes. Yeah. And uh, and so Eric, where how can our listeners contact you online? Sure. Uh, if you type in Google "one awesome dad," I think all of my social media will come up. Facebook, Instagram, and I also recently launched a newer website at PeacefulParentingCoach.com. Hey, you got Peaceful yeah. Parenting Coach? Yeah. Well, well. Which if that, tells you, if that tells you anything about how much this work is needed, the fact yeah. that PeacefulParentingCoach.com was even still available. I know. That's wild. I didn't even try for that. I just went for Whisperer because I figured there you go. Nah, I'm not going to get that. Yeah. So, all right. I think so, in time, all the PeacefulParenting.com type of domains will be will be taken. So Good. I, I'm happy for that. I just want to clarify, one awesome dad is the number one awesome dad, not the, yes, not the word one. Number one. Yep, yep. Okay. I love following. I love following your stuff, Eric. I love all the stuff that you post because you post um, so vulnerably and so much from your heart. And uh, and it really, it's really touching. I think it's really. Uh, you know, there aren't there aren't a lot of dads out there that are posting this kind of stuff. And the fact you're that here. you're doing it so courageously and so continuously, I think, is making a huge difference. I really do. The other day, you posted something that I really. I even told you I really loved it, but I can't remember exactly what how it went. But it was something about. Like about success, right? Like, let's not define success as something. Can you say that one? Do you remember what it was? Oh gosh, um, I think it was. What if success isn't defined by money and finances, but rather how we're doing as parents? Mm. Something along those lines. I've got to look it up. Okay, found it. Cool. Oh, good. Yeah. I found so it too. that. <laughs> that meme is. So I made a meme out of it. Uh, I think it came out of a post that I wrote and then realized that it could make a pretty good meme. So the quote there exactly is, what if success as a man has nothing to do with money or how many figures I make a year, but instead has everything to do with how I treat my children? Mm. Oh, so Bravo. Good. That's beautiful. And, you know, I think it's not to say that 
how much money you're making or um, that you're having an income is insignificant. I think for mm -hmm. a lot of men, it is significant. You know, if mm. you're yeah. if you're taking on the role as a provider, fine. Mm. But what if we actually define success as a man by how you're treating your children? What if that mm. was first and foremost and primary, right? Wow. I love imagining a world in which that value comes before the bottom line, like that is the bottom line. Mm -hmm. Right. I, you know, and I think that came from my recognizing that there is a lot of focus on entrepreneurism and being a success minded, you know, um, business person and making a lot of money and it's not that I'm against those things um, that's fine um, but what if as men we had a, paid a little more attention to this stuff involving raising children right right and yeah. so I think that's where um, I would like for more men to kind of turn our attention towards I see you uh, holding a torch and kind of leading the way in that regard. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. I just really appreciate that piece on success. And I find it pretty interesting because I posted something about success the other day. And, um, you know, we tie up a lot of our idea of success in how financially successful we are or are not. And, right. um Actually, Eric and I were just talking about this the other day and talking about how much farther down the road we'd hope we would be. But at the same time, we've had so many, so much success in our lives, not only as parents, but also, you know, just these last few years becoming parenting coaches and getting um, published in the Gentle Parenting Memes book twice. And mm -hmm. um, Eric talking at the yeah. diversity for parenting conference and I have a podcast coming up here next week with I'll share the link but a lovely lady who's written a children's book it's Sharon um not exactly sure but anyways but we have all of these successes and they might not be tied up completely in financial stability and financial successes and all of that but they are really making an amazing impact on the world and that's such a beautiful thing it is so I think true. maybe that's the perspective to keep in mind. That's a great point that it's making an impact on the world. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when we're raising our children this way, you're making you're making a difference for not only for your children or your for your it's for, it is for your immediate family as well, but for future generations. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. Right? I like to say that uh, I, when we get adept at, at parenting gently and responsively, we're actually giving a gift, a gift to our future grandchildren. Mm. Yeah. So I say parent for the grandkids. Wow. <laughs> right. Our future in-laws too, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good one. And not only that, though, but... We also have an opportunity to, um, I sort of think of the world as uh, the, the planet as a bunch of little tiny grids, each one of us taking up a grid and, mm -hmm. you know, a little square on our grid. I, it's just nerdy, so f stick with me. 
and uh, our little square touches other squares. And when we keep our square mm. cool and and uh, and well and healthy, we have the ability to touch the adjoining square and maybe have influence with that with the people in those who and that may radiate out so i i like to think that we have an influence over the world just by mm. by minding our own selves right ripples Ripples. Ripple effect. And one more thing I might want to add there is that you're, yeah. you really are, as best as possible, you're, you're passing on to your, your child as much emotional well-being as, as, you, as we can. Yeah. And, even, yes. if we, and even, if, even if we aren't passing on as much emotional well-being as we would like, you know, doing our own inner work and learning these kind of general pairing techniques is is at least making a difference. Yeah. I think the, the more of this work that we do, the more of that well-being that we're able to pass on to the to our kids. And what greater gift that is than that? Right? For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Well, Eric, this really has been a a true joy. I can't thank you enough. It has been. I us. love talking with all of you, and you know, I feel like we could go on and on. <laughs> I think we could. Yeah. I think we could, and I think we we I think we need to do this again. Let's. I I'm in. So. I'm in. Let's let's do another hand raise on that. Okay. <laughs> Let the record show that all yes. the hands are raised. Have been raised. Fantastic. Alrighty, folks. We will uh, we'll catch you next week. Wonderful. Alrighty, that's the show. Thanks for listening. If you have thoughts or questions about anything we spoke about today, or even something we didn't talk about, send them to any one of us during the week, and perhaps we'll be answering yours on next week's pod. So tune in next week and every Tuesday to hear more from Sujai, Vivek, and me, Margie. Wishing you a gentle and enjoyable week full of love and learning. Be well and be kind. Bye-bye.